Alrighty, g'day guys and welcome to the Bradley J Driver Experience. Well, today's episode is very special at that. I remember it was probably about a month and a half ago I announced today's guest was coming on and my Instagram DMs, my messages, my phone blew up for days because there were so many people that wanted to hear what happens behind the scenes with this man, what he's doing. You've done so much already. We're talking a man who's come from racing royalty he is a thoroughbred at that, and he's done so much within not just the industry of horse racing, but also business. And we're going to cover all of that today. But ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Tom Waterhouse, how are you, brother? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Brad, for having me on board. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. We're excited. We're here at your office, which if you're watching the video, I'm sure you'll be able to see in the rocks. Um, beautiful building. Yeah, no, really. Uh, I live with, um, got three kids and... My wife, we live near the zoo, and so to be in the rocks is, is great because you just sort of come off the bridge and really easy to get to and get home, and uh, yeah, it's a great area, really nice. Awesome. What I've done is I've actually, I've, I've, I've observed, I've been watching um, from, from far away these past few months just to, to see your characteristics and see how I wanted to take this podcast and what we wanted to talk about, and there's one thing that I kept noticing, and it was almost like a subtle, something that was subtle in every bit of your videos and your marketing. And so I've come bearing gifts today. I've um, I bought you a nice. We couldn't get oh, a can. Fantastic. And I bought a, we bought you a nice, very a nice one point two five of the Fanta. Thank so you very much. And I thought it would Thank be you. a nice way to kick off Thank the you. podcast with a little bit of fun. It's something I noticed in every video when one of those best bets gets up, or you guys have a successful day in the office. It's quite often a can of Fanta crack. So talk to me. What's that about? So um, my grandfather, who I was, who was a tremendous. Uh, both a grandfather and also as a, as a partner in business and a mentor, he uh, used to have the worst diet. So he would eat hot dogs or sausage rolls and uh, ice creams and Fanta every day and never drank water. He used to say, oh, water, that'll make you rust. And so he drank Fanta after Fanta and, and we had it in our one of our last ads he appeared in and he was drinking can after can of Fanta and, uh, and sort of people took notice of it and so we've just kept it going basically uh yeah just as a sort of tipping our hat to, to my grandfather that's amazing yeah. I, I will get you to move a step closer yeah, to the mic please. too yep it's funny we i'd done so much research on it because i was like i kept searching on google tom waterhouse fanta what does tom waterhouse have to do with fanta and i come to the conclusion i thought i reckon it's got something to do with like a tip off to someone or like a, a nostalgic moment yeah. from your past or, or your childhood that, that's that is the a nice play on it so yeah. there you go it's good to know so i'm so interested to hear about absolutely everything you're doing and everything you've done the one thing that struck me throughout some of my research and i listened to you on some of the other podcasts that you featured on was your sort of introduction into horse racing you obviously grew up in a family who have a rich history in the business and yeah. a, a pure love for it but that wasn't always the case for you was it no, my sister and I, um, we didn't like horse racing at all. My parents would always talk racing at the dinner table and we were just like, this is so boring. Talk about something interesting. And and, um, and it wasn't until I used to work for my mum uh, when I was at school from the age of sort of 13, 14, at least a week every holiday and, and every Sunday. And I just hated getting up early in the morning and leading these big horses around and mucking out boxes. And I just remember my mum used to say, I'd like, go to get a shovel to pick up the manure. She'd like what are you doing? Pick it up with your hands. And like, she just be like, and I was like, how is this any good? This is, I don't want to be getting up at two o'clock in the morning when all my friends are out and, and on Sundays rather than, I don't know, going to the footy or whatever, going to, um, going to the stables. But, uh, I, um, it wasn't until basically my first year at university, my dad said, look, do you want to come and help out on a Saturday? And then I came to the betting ring and saw just, the activity and the, and the real buzz uh, of people betting and betting in such large numbers. And I went, this is incredible. Um, how come I didn't know about this part of racing? And, and I fell in love with it and basically changed all my shoots and, and timetable around to be able to go to the races on Wednesdays and Thursdays and, and on Saturdays with my dad and then, then with my grandfather and, and just really fell in love with it and went from not wanting to talk about racing at all to wanting to talk about nothing else. And, um, yeah, it was interesting. Now my mum always says, look, can your father and can you guys please stop talking odds and sods and, <laughs> and horse racing? Can we talk about something more interesting? It's funny because I've completely different background, but my family had no sort of connection to racing as, you know, um, personalities or owners. But 
Um, my family grew up loving horse racing, so I had very similar, where as a young guy, it was kind of every Saturday, the races were on the telly, you know, you'd hear the old boy blowing up because yeah. the TAB couldn't, couldn't, couldn't hear what he was saying, you know, the old Tabitha on the yeah, phone, yeah. couldn't hear what he was saying when he was trying to put it on a bet, and we sort of grew up around it, and it wasn't until recently, it was, I think it was about a year and a half ago, Dad bought a share in a horse. Okay, great. And it's it's an emotional game we went first race we were excited we were, we were keen and it ran dead last at Kemble it had a terrible run yeah and you're devastated it's a tough game and we just didn't know what to expect but you always back your own horse you know you always have faith in in your own and it was the next race at Newcastle it got up and it paid I think we got it got it boosted on one of the apps and it ended up paying 71 to 1 and oh, that and I had the best afternoon of our life yeah, it's um, a, but it's a very emotional business, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, so I'm uh, obviously seen from my mum's side of racing with owners and, and her training horses. It's a, it's a very, um, it's a hard game, but it's a great for people to get involved in that it's very social. I know I was in a, a few horses with a bunch of mates and it gave us something to uh, chat about and go out and do together and, and just the banter back and forth. It was a really nice social activity and... And also, if you can get a winner, which is is hard, it's uh, it's a lot of excitement as well, isn't it? It's, Definitely, it's great. Definitely, I heard you speaking about your grandfather obviously coming out of retirement to to teach you the ins and outs. Talk to me about that experience. So obviously, someone who for you is your is your granddad. You know, yeah. You see him as you know the guy that you know and love, but to the racing world, he's a legend. What is it like to learn off a gentleman like that? So um. Both my grandfathers were amazing and terrific grandfathers, but my grandfather Bill, um, he it was just so much fun. So I used to I used to stay at their house most Saturday nights, and he'd feed me uh, chocolates and ice cream for breakfast, and we'd go and shoot, try and shoot pigeons with a BB gun on a Sunday morning. I never got one, but I had this machine gun that he bought me that like I try and shoot it, and we'd be running around and we'd play table tennis for hours and watch movies. He was really fun grandfather and very loving and and warm and then i um i worked with my dad who obviously is form genius and amazing bookmaker and learnt with from him for the first two years and and he said to my grandfather look you should come out of retirement and, and teach tom the art of bookmaking spend some time with him and work together and so my grandfather came out of retirement and, and i saw a completely different person because he was hard and tough and really like uh, just an enormous character and I'd been taught with my my dad how to be a bookie and he's a form student and puts a lot of analysis in and wants to play the man uh or play the horse sorry rather than the man my grandfather's just a big gambler big picture and so I was like oil and water I didn't believe anything my grandfather was saying about how to bookmake and I I was thought he'd gone senile and didn't want to listen to him and we had these blazing arguments because he wanted to bet big and I just didn't want to lose. And so we fought and fought and it was really interesting because I've been in this loving relationship as grandfather, grandson and to being sort of business partners of really at loggerheads and, and that lasted for a few years and and I realised after that time that he was actually right about everything. Um, but he was very different to my dad. They have two very unique different styles and it showed me that there's there's not just one way to have success there's um, many different ways you can be successful bookmaking there's very many different ways you can be unsuccessful many different ways to be successful and that those two ways that they looked at bookmaking um, I sort of took bits from both and and sort of formulated a way of involving my dad's form and analysis of my my grandfather's big betting big picture um, side of things and and hopefully got bits of both of them that have uh, that have helped me get to to where I am now and, and hopefully in the future but yeah it was a, it was a great experience and, and that closeness I, I don't know if you found in in your life if, if you're prepared to have a very argumentative relationship and at loggerheads with someone as long as you that there's that forgiving period you actually become all very close because it's a side of your emotion yeah. that I can't think of really anyone else in my life that I've had such blazing arguments with and that I'm close with like I don't argue like that with my I've never argued that, like that with my dad or my my wife or my sister or yeah. my mom. I, that that sort of having that relationship brings you very close and it was such a a blessing to have to be able to work with both my grandfather and my dad and I still work with my dad and I, just, I call him 10 times a day every day you know but 
but to have that relationship with my family and, and to be able to learn off both my dad and my grandfather, um, yeah, I've just been been blessed and so lucky, you know. I'm a big family man too, so I respect that a lot. Yeah. And one thing I picked up on that you said in there, you, you spoke about your grandfather was a big gambler. He wanted to push hard and you kind of just wanted to play it maybe a little bit safer in those early years. Stomaching, stomaching loss is it's hard to do and we're like I'm a bit of a movie buff and I think about when I hear that think about that line in Rocky where he says it's not how hard you can get hit but how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward and there's a story from your early days with your grandfather where you met John Singleton oh, yep. and he placed a bet that at the time might have felt safe to you guys yeah, it was a, a bit of an uppercut in the guts. Yeah, so about we, that. we were a very small bookie. Um, we're on the, got the worst stand at the race course, and and we were lucky to win a few thousand dollars in in the day. And and John Singleton obviously used to bet with my dad and my grandfather back in the day. And I saw him coming onto the course, and I'm like, oh, there's John Singleton. He's got Belgian. We didn't like the horse at all uh, on the day. And and I went over and I said, oh, Mr. Singleton, look, I'm working with my grandfather. If you're thinking of having a bet today, we'd love you to bet with us. And he goes, oh. Yeah, I'll have ten thousand on it at ten to one. I was like, oh, terrific! But that was if that was to win a hundred thousand, and and we would would bet to win a couple of two thousand or three thousand maximum. And uh, the horse won, and I was just gutted. I'm like, that's going to take us so long to get back, and ruined our year. And oh, what a! And my grandfather always we went down the path working together where we could lose. We lost two million dollars one day, and we lost on plenty of days. We lost a million dollars, and. But he was always fantastic when we had losing days and he just go, that's part of the course. And he goes, you'll grow from that. The fact that you can stomach a $100,000 loss and you're not out of business, as long as you don't go out of business, as long as you yeah. can stomach that, you get to a new level where it takes, you can't go from being straight off the bat of becoming a bookie to betting into millions of dollars. You have to get that sort of battle scars and, and understanding of how to play at a, uh, at a higher turnover level and... and and that was part. He goes, look, you've reached a milestone today. You now can to take a hundred thousand dollar bet. You've you've at least stomached it. And uh, that's true. What he was saying. You you need to get to that level. For me, when I first started to take a bet to lose a hundred, two hundred dollars, I was like, I can't lose two hundred dollars. Yeah. But fast forward ten years to lose two million dollars. You're like, oh well. It happens. That's I don't want to lose two million. I want to win. But ultimately, you sort of get to that stage where the bets they don't have that sort of. Um, impact on you as being nervous you just do what is the right course of what you should be doing definitely um, with the bets talk to me about the the evolution of of your business persona so you went from on track and what was the next step so yeah i, I was um my, lucky during university my dad said oh well, you should go and be a bookie at the dogs and work at all the country meetings the provincial meetings and so i had this experience of sort of traveling all around going to these meetings and then my dad my I worked as a clerk on the other days for my dad and then my grandfather came out of retirement and we worked together for six years or so. And then um, we went from being the smallest bookies on course to the largest bookies on course. And and then the taxes changed in New South Wales and moved down to Melbourne and lived in um, Crown Casino for for four years and, and went from um, basically couldn't get a stand there for the first little bit to being the biggest bookie in Melbourne and... Uh, holding more money than all the other bookies combined and that was yeah, really wow. thanks to learnings from my dad and my grandfather but my dad's form analysis we had access to Betfair and used Betfair well before the bookmaking market did and we could offer different products in Victoria than we could in Sydney so we basically marketed to all the Sydney punters we knew saying we'll be able to offer you best tote and we can offer you these limits bet with us and so the yeah. business went boomed and um thought how good is this I hope I remember st- sitting standing on the middle of the rails at Flemington and going I hope I've made it I've first book me back from New South Wales since my grandfather 40 years before in 1968 and I thought if I can just be doing this for the rest of my life I'm going to be so happy and then in that year the iPhone came out 3G phone connection came out with the internet the um, advertising laws got restricted across state lines and within one year the on-course bookmaking plummeted in turnover and so then we um, moved to being um, a telephone-only bookmaker in an office at Moody Valley, and that was basically a trading house. We'd say to the sort of half a dozen tough punters, we'll bet you to win 50000 or or 100000 And what we used to do with their business, we'd take the bet and then we'd trade it off with all the bookmakers. 
And all the bookies were coming from the UK at the time and they were happy to bet bigger limits. Um, and then we had sort of 100 so good customers and whatever they wanted, 100,000, 500,000, million dollars, whatever they wanted, we'd bet them, but we'd move the market with the tough money and basically trade that money and keep the softer money. And that okay. was a, a really good business for two years, but then the market changed. Those bookies didn't want to take that level of business anymore. And more and more of our customers moved online and that's where we started TomWaterhouse.com. And uh, TomWaterhouse.com went from 100 customers to quarter of a million customers in 18 months. Yeah, wow. And that, that was just a massive growth spurt and luck of timing of the market and changing advertising restrictions. And, and yeah, it was a really different journey. That was my first exposure to you, was sitting down on a Friday night watching the footy and then you'd come on the screen. And that was where I first got to know who you were and yep. you know, obviously put two and two together. You know, My dad was big in racing and I heard the Waterhouse name and then I seen you. And it's then been interesting to follow on as years go to, to hear your story. But one thing that always stuck out, and Joey and I actually spoke about on the way up here today, is you speak about your time at uni, which I think marketing was a part of that, yep. if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. I think you're a genius marketer. Oh, well, thanks, I, yeah. I, I love what you do because you are so different to the rest of your industry in the way that you market your product and the way that you market yourself. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about your creativity in marketing. So um, the, all the bookmakers in England were named Paddy Power and William Hill and Victor Chandler and Fred Doan and like they were personalities. And when I went to the track, I used to remember Cole Tidy like as the bookie on track. And, and then all of these URLs came, URLs came about sports bet, sports betting, TAB sports bet. Yeah. And I was like, well, where's the bookie that you're, you're betting with? Where's that personality? And, and obviously the brat the family has been known in racing, my great grandfather, grandfather, dad, my mum, her father, horse trainers, the family's very rich, um, background in history in the racing industry. And so we saw that as advantage and, and some of the overseas firms did some studies showing that our awareness as a brand was very high. And I thought, well, why would we brand it as a, uh, a random URL when we've got a strong brand presence already as, uh, as a family name, Waterhouse, and also as an individual. And, um, and look, I've been on, like, I don't know why they chose me, but I've been on Dancing with the Stars and we were betting big at the time and, and also fresh young face. And, and my aunt, who she got the university medal at, in marketing at, uh, at New South Wales University and marketing genius. And, and she very much um, like designed like the brand imagery and, and said, look, look, this look and feel and work with a great um, marketing agency that um, called Fenn and Stevens that came up with a lot of the stuff also. And, and so she was very much um, like overseeing what that brand image looked like. And we just saw that as an individual, our ability to acquire customers was, we were able to acquire them at a much lower cost than those sort of faceless brands. And, and probably it's accelerated more so now because back then it was, you could build a big company brand through TV where now people follow individuals. And yeah. um, like I think out of the top most 50 followed um, people, things on Instagram or whatever, 49 of them are, are individuals, you know? Yeah. So people are following individuals. And so that was a big advantage. And, and the brand was never really, I don't think it was a polarizing brand um, up until we did the NRL. And then the NRL really changed it from being a, um, just a racing type brand to more broader people go, oh, that's that guy that's either doing really well, he's young, trying things in betting, or I really don't like uh, that guy. He's really annoying. He just ruins my TV coverage and he's all things betting, which is something that I don't like being yeah. fed down my throat. And that that uh, really changed the sort of dynamics of the brand and increased the awareness, but also increased the polarization of it. And um, yeah, it was a, a really interesting, really interesting time and journey. Talk to me about that, the, the backlash that you get for, especially now where you, you spoke about it, a lot of brands are personal brands or individuals. And I think a great example of that is, I know there's been discussion around American sport. It, yep. It's very much based on individual team branding or individual player branding where some of those players have bigger names than the teams they play for. Yep. 
Major League Baseball lost out because they didn't allow clubs or players to individually brand. Yeah, MLB wanted to control the actual branding of the business themselves. Yep. And you've seen their business slide because of that. But on the other end of the spectrum, it kind of protects individual integrity. It, yep. it protects individual emotion. Because when you're putting yourself out there, much like I do with all my stuff, you're exposed to there's not going to be 100% of people that love what you do. How do no. you stomach that? Look, I just, um, I really, so we um, end up selling TomWaterhouse.com to William Hill and William Hill bought SportingBet and Centibet and, and our business and um, and they asked me sort of six months in, would you run those businesses for us? And I'd never been in an executive type role or anything like that before and then going to be CEO of these three businesses as William Hill in Australia was so different in that I wasn't promoting myself as an individual or mm. I, I was a corporate executive as the CEO of a, of a company and I, and I really enjoyed that period of time in that there wasn't sort of uh, the scrutiny of oh, what's he doing or of running a business and learning how these big companies operate and stuff and but then I thought when we William Hill sold the business to Stars Group and I was able to get the brand back I thought well look I don't know how many CEOs there are in Australia but call it just as a round number there 5,000 which I have no idea if that's the number but let's say there's 5,000 and let's say that I was in the top 10% of CEOs which wouldn't be the case but let's say I was in the well look there's still 500 CEOs that are better than me I've got no really unique advantage uh, like in that space but I've been blessed in that I've got the background and the heritage and the learnings of my family in this area and that's a gift I'm so lucky that I've been born in in the family that I have and the background that I've got well why not utilize it and and, and use it and use the brand and and embrace it and try and promote it because that's a unique gift that I've got that I've been so lucky uh, to have and and differentiates me from the market so I sort of went this round thing of oh, I don't want to be on any publicity I don't want to have anything to do with being on like TV or media I just want to chill out with my wife and my kids to actually well I've got it back it's got some value yeah, I better promote it and um, and give it a go and that's uh, it's I don't for me I it's not natural I don't like being in front of a camera or um, like posting like stuff that I go I just look like a wanker but yeah. it's it's marketing and um, and and it works so um, yeah it's uh, and and I'm and I'm lucky to be in the position I am so that's been um, that's sort of the, our thinking behind it might I say though I think it's funny what you said there because that's the fine line isn't it between how, how do I come across does it look like you said maybe like a little bit wankerish but I think you do it really well because I think a lot of your audience and a lot of the people that are coming to to bet with you especially now with yeah. what you're doing it's it's really a working class society but I think you actually allow yourself to have a little bit of fun with it, which yeah, actually we're, connects with I don't know audience. if people are real, but we're just taking the piss really yeah, most of the time. 100%. Like, and, um, yeah, like, so, but it's, you're always going to have people that, are, when you put yourself out there, that are, um, that are not going to like it or they might like it. But I don't really think about it. I don't sort of, um, it doesn't, if people don't like me or like me, it doesn't really make me happy or sad as long as my wife and kids and my family are happy with me and love me I'm I'm pretty well I'm happy and also if the business is going well I that really I I, um I love business and I basically I probably for my parents work ethic my mum gets up at like 205 every morning my dad gets up at three o'clock in the morning like they have no from a financial sense need to work as hard as they do but they non-stop work and um and they love business and and my aunt's the same. She works every day of the week, and um, my sister's like mum and got a great career. Like uh, the whole family just is is hard workers, and I and I just love coming to work every day and, and business. So if that's growing and, and going well, and my family are happy, and then the rest I don't don't even think about. I sense that with you. I sense there's two really strong characteristics to to your nature. The first is that competitive drive to continue to push yourself and to grow and to get better and better and yeah we sort of heard it there you, you said you identify what your strengths and weaknesses are and you work towards making sure that you continue to strengthen your yeah. you and your brand but also you've got a huge resilience and we speak about those early on track days stomaching those losses 
you know, the on-track business dying, you're moving to telephone and then yeah. to the internet. You, you understand what it takes to succeed in business and that's a rare trait. Well, you, you sort of, um, you're in the wrong business of putting yourself out there and being in business um, if you can't stomach it because it's a different, uh, there's so many, being in a corporate environment, there's so many advantages with working for a big organisation. Um, and there's disadvantages also, but there's huge advantages of running your own business but at the same time, you've got to be able to stomach the downside of it. And uh, that's why it's it's not clear. If someone said to me, oh, should I be an entrepreneur or should I be a worker as a, an executive in a corporate environment? I have no idea what the, that answer is. I only know what it is for me. You yeah. know? And, and that's because it's different for everybody. Talk to me about the decision to sell TomWaterhouse.com in the first instance to William Hill. Yeah. Was that a hard decision to make because it's a brand you've built? And also, what was the reasoning behind making that decision? Look, the plan was never to sell um, TomWaterhouse.com, but it grew so fast and the market changed so quickly. So uh, the taxes went dramatically up and the competition. So you had the likes of Ladbrokes and Bet365 and like BetEasy came into the market. Your points bet later on came into the market. You had big business like Sporting Bet and Centibet get absorbed by William Hill. Everything was consolidating and the tax environment went up from like a few bet $100 when we first started bookmaking. We'd pay a few couple of dollars in, in tax if you're in the Northern Territory. Now, if you lose $100, you pay $40 or $43 in product fees and fees and point of consumption tax. So you're $43 and then you've got $57 that you've got to then pay your marketing expenses, IT expenses, um, yeah. everything else, and then you pay your company tax and then that's your profit. And for instance, we, William Hill had broadly $200 million in expenses. We had 170 IT developers. Like there was, it was a, for an Australian business that had big expenses and, and TomWaterhouse.com went from a startup with three people and one of them was me, one of them was my wife and another person to being 110 people and 100 clients to begin with and a quarter of a million clients, there was just huge lift yeah. up in in um, in growth. And so we needed to keep up and we needed to find a partner. And, and William Hill, it was a sale process, which I thought took forever, like nine months. They're like, oh, that was so quick. Um, but we were so lucky and so blessed to have that time not only selling, having a great outcome of building a business and selling it in within a two-year period to finding a business that I could ultimately then run uh, here in Australia and seeing how a multinational listed big company operates. And the Australian business had offices in Tel Aviv, Manila, New Zealand, Brisbane, Melbourne, Darwin, Sydney. Yeah, wow. Plus, we could get all the learnings and insights from the global group, which were in... Um, well, we're in London and Gibraltar and and many different other places. And to see how that big organization globally could work and, and learn from that was an amazing experience. And then to be able to buy the brand back, um, uh, yeah, just I would never have dreamt that that could happen when we sold it. So it was a, I sort of think of it like going back to university for four years in many ways because you always think as a, whether it's from a family business or a startup or entrepreneurial, what are these big companies? How do they operate? Well, how would I ever work with them or sell to them or partner with them? They're big beasts and um, much slower in moving than, and they have huge strengths and also weaknesses. And, and, I, and I got to see that and, um, and spend time and I really, and I really enjoyed it. And, That's awesome. and thankful to have that, that time. You know what's all a bit confusing and scary? Buying your first home and getting your first loan approved. You see, I'm 24 and I bought my first property last year. Even as an agent at the time, there was so much I didn't know about finance because we aren't taught these things at school. You see, I'm blessed now because one of my best mates, Zachary Bidoff, is a mortgage broker. And now that I'm self-employed, I have to be smarter with my money. So I sat down with Zach to refinance my loan and to get the absolute best deal I could. And it's saving me money every week. You see, the great thing about Zach is he's 28 years old, Super relatable and he knows everything you need to about buying your first property. So whether it's pre-approval or refinancing that you need, head across to ZacharyBidoff.com 
or find the link in the show notes. Talk to me about when you get the brand back. What's the change? What's the thought process that you go through where you say, okay, there's reasons we, we sold out before. What moves do we make in the market now to be different yep. and to come out on top again? So the thinking behind that was um, I got the brand back on the condition that I didn't do any betting for two years. I wasn't allowed to take any bets. And um, so I thought, well, what should I use the TomWaterhouse.com brand for? And, and William Hill and TomWaterhouse.com and, and through my time bookmate, I've seen well over a million customers. And only a very small proportion, 10 or 12, that actually are full-time punters yeah. that win consistently. That's not to say that that's the only people in the market. That's just all that I've seen in the market. The majority of people that bet regularly, they don't win. You know, it's an yeah. entertainment. It's, it's, they're just enjoying it to, because they like to watch the footy and they hope they win, but over the year, if they bet every week, they're not going to win. And, yeah. um, and I thought, well, I grew up with my, my dad, who's a form genius and, and bets all around the world and, and is a real, like, statistical master of, of working out true probability and being able to bet. And, and I grew up listening to him and, and his friends who are winners. And I thought, well, it's not that hard to win, but no one wins. So how can I sort of try and teach them the lessons my dad taught me? And, and the whole thing was to try and make our members better betters. And I thought, well, if I can just get 100 customers that are paying me a weekly fee, I can keep the brand going and then in two years' time I'll go back into into betting. And we um, just use Squarespace and some automated tools, me and a friend of mine, and put the site up uh, the afternoon that I sort of was able to be not with William Hill anymore and um, and launched it. And the next day someone wrote a, a newspaper article saying, oh, Tom's selling tips and thinks people are going to buy these packages and that. and and we got a few hundred customers on that first day, and I thought, gosh, well, maybe this is this is something. And, and it's turned out to be really good in that basically there's three ingredients to winning on the punt. And the first is you've got to do the form and analysis to work out what is the true probability or the true probability compared to the market. Yeah. You've then got to work out how much you're going to have, so how confident you are on taking that selection. And then you've got to get on at the top of the market. It's like buying stocks at the bottom of the market you've got to get on your selection whether it's a football team or a horse you've got to bet at the very top price so you've got the least amount of uh, percentage against you and no one really thinks about that or goes oh that sounds a bit tricky but we try to make it as simple as possible and say look here's the selection here's how much to have on it and here are the bookies that are offering the prices that you should be taking follow these steps and you'll become better at betting you'll okay. hopefully win and our packages if you follow them have had tremendous success but most and people, i've read that i've yeah, read that most people don't have the discipline to stick to it but because i'm just literally copying and giving them the lessons my dad showed me and it's turned out to be really popular and and um yeah and and, and been terrific and then the next step was well how do i take that and i've shown them how we bet but they're like i only have an account with sports bet or the tab or bet easy or i don't have accounts with all these bookies you're listing to get the best price and i thought well it's painful for them because they don't want to have to open up 20 accounts they don't want to have to they don't want to have to deposit money with all of them and it's just painful for them to actually get on at the best price which is so important to winning and so i thought well how can i create something for them that makes it really easy and so we sort of had this vision that we want to create within our app uh, an odds comparison site like a, a bookings.com or Travago or something like that that allow, allowed them to get our tips and in two clicks place a bet at the best price and we saw that um, Dynamic Odds that's owned by the bet makers um, a, a listed company here in Australia had this technology and odds comparison site and we said to them well look how can we partner with you to create inside our app a really seamless experience for our large database of, of members and been working on on that with them for a long time now and released just a, a few weeks ago um, in the Tom Waterhouse app um, this ability that you can not only get our tips but for any horse race or dog race or trot race click and see a whole variety of bookies and and have the same 
username and password to sign up with all of them and uh, and bet seamlessly in two clicks and, and hopefully get on at the top price. And that's so, actually, yeah, that's really good. Smart idea. Uh, yeah, hopefully it works. I, I, I think it'll be really popular because, well, I always, I use this example quite a bit, I always think with petrol stations, I always want to go to the lowest cost petrol station, but I've yeah. never driven to another suburb to put petrol in my car. Okay. And, but if they were both next to each other, I'd always go to the low cost one. Yeah. But I just go, oh, well, I go, this is the one I go to on the way home and it's there and I'm used to it. Yeah. But I'm paying more for petrol every day. And I sort of think to people, if they had the choice of all the bookies there, well, why wouldn't they take $2.20 and rather than $2.10 or $2? Yeah. But if they've got their money with an account and they only use that one app, well... It's convenience. It's convenience, so... So to other lads and ladies that asked for the, the business, what goes on and how to make sure those punts are right, you heard it there. Get on the system. It's funny because we had a chat on the way up here today. So we're in training at the moment. So we're doing a 42K in December. Gosh. A run for cystic fibrosis. So I've got cystic fibrosis and I wanted to spearhead yeah. an event. And I, last night I ran the longest I've ever run, seven and a half Ks. Never run more than that in my life. It was five Ks before that. Yeah. I got 42 to do in December. I can't afford to step a foot wrong. Yeah. I can't afford to, you know, veer off the program. I can't afford to go in the wrong direction because it's going to send me backwards. Yeah. And we spoke about sticking to the program. Yeah. The professionals given me the program. Benny Seymour, big shout out to the legend there at BFit. He's given me the program and I've got to stick to it. Yeah. So how do you communicate that to your members? Because I've seen you talk about it in that podcast before. It's not necessarily what the social punter will get behind because the social punter doesn't win. Yeah. He wins one multi, he loses the next 10. But to make sure that you bet to the system, it's about not a bet-to-bet win, but it's about a monthly win, isn't it? Yeah, I think in, in life, whether it's in sport or in, in business or investing or in betting, uh, discipline is probably the most important factor because uh, like whether it's controlling like how much you drink or how much you eat or how much you spend or... You've got to have discipline, and, and that's the same with punting. You can win betting, but it requires probably more important than those three ingredients of doing the form, the staking, getting on the best price. It's the discipline of actually following that. And um, and some people have it, and other people don't. don't. And that's okay. I don't have discipline in, in most things I do in life. Just in this area of my life, I have discipline. And um, yeah, it's. Talk to me about the emotion behind having mum as a trainer and you've got a bet that you like but then you've got her horse there and you're like oh how hard is it to back against to back against mum when when mum comes home for dinner and says i really like this this week and you go i don't know if i like it as much as i like this look um it's not really hard in that we just think about from a pure business point of view in that uh, my mum or gays she she thinks that all horses are going to win and they generally all lead. Um, but trainers don't have... There's some amazing trainers out there. Like you look at the likes of Gay and the other Hall of Fame trainers, they're amazing. Like and what they've been able to achieve and what they, mm. they do. But they've got very little idea of how the other horses are going and how the form lines up from all different areas and different trainers and preparation of what they're doing. Uh, they're not making their living through punting which is a completely different skill set. And so uh, our ability to analyse form and really what my dad does is being able to analyse form and take form from all different areas and hundreds of factors and put it into a model to spit out what he sees as the true probability is far more accurate than what a trainer will tell you about, oh, my horse was great today because they aren't across all the different factors that come into working out that probability. So she'd be far more inclined to ask my dad, oh, just my horse got a chance today, even though he hasn't seen any track work, hasn't what, than he would ever ask or I would ever ask what she thinks because not that we don't think she's an amazing trainer, she's the best. Like She's trained more group ones than any living Australian trainer. She's, she's yeah, in, definitely. incredible. But uh, would I want to get her tips? Leave me out of it. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll get my dad's tips every time. <laughs> Talk to me about racing moments. We've all got those, you know, this is something you're extremely passionate about. We've all got those moments from our passions in life that we look back on and remember fondly. It may be a moment that taught you a lesson. It may be a moment that 
you just look back on and puts a smile on your face. What are those top racing moments for you? Look, um, I think it's probably Gay winning the Melbourne Cup with Ferrante. Yeah. Um, in that I'd never gone to the Melbourne Cup as a spectator um, and never had a day out of the races, but we just sold the company to William Hill and I wasn't running William Hill at the time yet, so I was basically footloose and fancy free and went down to Melbourne to watch the Melbourne Cup and and I backed Ferrante at the call of the card. Um, my dad also loved the horse. He had a mark six to four. It was like a six to one chance. Um, where he had a mark $2.50. It was a seven, six, seven dollar chance. And uh, for Gay to win her first Melbourne Cup and to have the whole family, my aunt and uncle, my sister and her husband, Luke, and my wife. And uh, it was just an amazing... Having my mum and dad there, we've never all been at the races before. And... Uh, and to be able to enjoy it and, and to win, that was just a, and a huge thing for mum because she's won all the big races except for the Melbourne Cup and, and uh, just to see her joy. And, and my dad found the horse, I think, for her in uh, in the UK. So oh, wow, to special. have that real family connection and, and uh, it was just an amazing moment. It's um, funny you say that because I read an article yesterday when I was doing a bit of pre-research and it was talking about I think it was talking about when you'd sold to William Hill and it mentioned in that um, mum's race coming up, Gay's race coming yep. up, the Melbourne Cup and her chasing that first winner and it mentioned Ferrante and I thought it's funny looking back on that now knowing knowing what we know yeah. but it, it's cool to see and, and it's just, it's always nice you look back on those moments and it, it drives your passion. Yeah, it's, a, it's, um, it's great. It's, it's a, racing is a, an amazing amazing game because you have those highs and lows you know mm. like I, I've from whether it's losing a fortune on a race to winning big on a race or I've seen I don't know how she does it Gage she has the favourite for a big race and all the owners expect her to win it and then it doesn't win and then you win the race it's, it's highs and lows but that's what makes it definitely uh, yeah so much fun who's Tom Waterhouse outside of this office and outside of racing I know this is what you live and breathe but is there another uh, side to you that we don't get to see? To me, um, I think people, like you have different periods of your life, but for me now, um, I just love, well, love spending time with my wife and my kids and, and working hard. You know, it's, uh, I sort of, um, we've got these three businesses that we've got, um, obviously the subscription, the tipping business. Um, we've got this fund business, Waterhouse VC Fund, which is a, a wholesale fund that uh, invests in gambling mainly listed gambling companies and uh and then we've got this odds comparison business um through the tom waterhouse app so i'm so busy and and excited by those ventures and and hopefully growing them to be sizable really good businesses and my kids are, are young and in that beautiful time you know like seven my daughter's seven and my son's four and my youngest daughter's two and they're just at that really cute fun age and yeah and uh and yeah, my wife and I just loving that period of our life, you know. That's good to hear. Yeah. That's good to hear. Talk to me about, I'm always interested to speak to successful business people and understand what anchors them and, and those little daily rituals that you do every day that when you don't, you notice it. You notice yeah. that decrease in performance or, or the way that you feel. Is there anything for you that has become consistency in your routine and in your life that allows you to perform at your best and make sharp, intelligent decisions? Oh, well, the only thing that's routine is I drive my daughter to school every day, which is just the most beautiful, uh, fun time because um, it's just a great sort of don't think about anything else, yeah. no calls and business-wise. But uh, I'm sort of the same routine person. I, like my wife thinks I'm so boring because I basically eat the same thing. We go to the same restaurant every week without fail. Like we eat similar time. But I'm at the office at the same time. I, I just... I'm pretty, pretty boring in in that way, um, but yeah, I, I don't have one specific ritual because I basically do the same thing all yeah. the time. But like, in like I'm in the office seven days a week. You know, I, I I bring on my kids on Sunday here. They write, play, on, draw on the whiteboard, and yeah. we could make a day of coming into here and then do something else. Like yeah, um, just because I found it, one of the my parents have given me so much as um, growing up, but one of the things that they really gave me that I'm so happy for is that discipline and work ethic. Yeah. To see them work seven days a week, 
it was just natural. Why wouldn't you do that? Because I saw how hard they worked and um, and I love that with my kids. I, I bring them in here and I try and show them stuff or I talk about like boring business stuff with them because even though they look at me and they're like, why are you telling me this story? And I, yeah. even halfway through, I'm like, why am I telling my four-year-old son this story? But I sort of think that my parents did that with me and One got me interested in it, you know? Definitely. You said you drive your daughter to school every day. Yeah. I've seen you got a nice little collection of, of automobiles. Um, yeah, she she goes to... Um, yeah, she, we, my car is a, a two-seater and, and and annoying doors in that they sort of go up in this rather than out. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think she goes like, Dad, when can you just drive me in a normal, <laughs> like, sort of family car? But... Yeah, I, I, I just yeah like that that particular car and, and um, yeah probably my next car should be a family, a family wagon. What's the favourite car at the moment? Oh, I always um, I've had the same uh, car the um, SLS that Gullwing for ten years and I, I hope I never sell it. I hope um, I keep it just because it's a Merc, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and it, just because it's. Um, I just like it. It's 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 nice to drive and and yeah. and fun and and also yeah comfortable. Got a feel to it. Yeah. Talk to me about you. You spoke a little bit about your daily routine being really consistent. There's obviously an element to your business now where a lot of it is about, like you said, reading and studying that form and something yeah. you've learned from your father. How often are you doing that? And where does that play a part in your day to make sure that those best bets are consistently ready to go and and, and you're happy with them? Yeah, so um, yeah, that's just part of. So it's really splitting up the business in in the three of how can we, um, firstly, what's happening in the gambling space because we're obviously investing in different gambling companies, but also form for the next day. Obviously, it takes a lot longer to do the form for a Saturday than it does uh, a Monday because we're coming out with one selection compared to let's say thirty selections on a Saturday, um, and then the rest of the time is really working with the the guys that have built the odds comparison side of how do we make this more user-friendly and, and how do we market it? And um, that's really what each day is made up of. That's nice. It, so- it sounds like you've got a good mix and balance in your yeah. business now. And, and also focused in the one area I know. I know betting. You know, yeah. I know I don't try and venture into other spaces and I don't run a uh, like a, a mining fund. You know, I yeah. don't run a banking fund or something. I, I just focus on the one area that I know and and I spent my whole life in, you know. It's that interests me. Has that always been the case or has there ever been, I guess, that intrigue to maybe step into something new, to try something different and not to exactly leave racing but to dabble in other areas of business? So the the areas that of the core, there's little offshoots. So like um, whether it's through technology or the – like uh, gambling is one of the industries that sort of – are quite early adopters in a space and and um so that's given us offshoots but uh, to me i always try and stick to the core of area in that there's not many people in the world that have been lucky enough to have the background i've had in in gambling and embedding and also gone from family business to on course bookie to startup technology business to running a um, like a large um big corporate here to back into start like it's always been in that area so i basically just want to stick to my strength yeah and, and focus on that and, and look there's definitely interest in other areas and i like reading about them but i don't want to uh, i go into something else and i'll never have the same advantage that i've got in this space so i just definitely. really want to focus and and stick to what i what i know and and hopefully make a success of it that's good to hear there's a few things couple of questions I want to ask you before we let you get back to your busy schedule. First thing is, are you much of a reader? Yeah, I, I my wife and I just probably shows the, the t- different stages of our life. We, um, uh, we probably, uh, after we put the kids to bed and, I don't know, put stuff away and got ready, maybe like would read for half an hour, 45 minutes an hour each night. Like, yeah. And obviously when you're on holidays, you can read a lot more. But yeah, try and read as many books that are like obviously it's different to reading when you're at work when you're reading articles or stuff on your phone i, I just love that time of uh having your phone away and yeah. just uh being able to get into a, a good book and 
and enjoy and just it lets you freeze your mind to think and also a very nice way to finish your day and yeah. before bed so um i don't know if that is a lot but i try and get through like quite a few books every year and is like a favorite book uh yeah i like um uh fiction wise i liked um the fountainhead by Anne Rand. Uh, Anne okay. Rand, i think that's how you pronounce it. i thought that was really good um and business book look uh, uh i i found all those like books um like think and grow rich and these yeah. type of self-help books that were really helpful and and good and um uh but i don't have one particular there's bits out of things like oh that's really relevant to where i am at the moment or um yeah it's just different time and and when i was running william hill i i looked at the books i read through that time they were far more how to be a better corporate executive and how to do this and and then in another time it's far more entrepreneurial type sort of like books and uh, i don't know there's good bits to be getting from from all of them but those tried and true like older books like that book yeah that, that was pretty good and a lot of them have sort of filtered off from those messages in that book so um but yeah well i don't probably not one particular i go that's amazing so for me i'm trying to get into the habit of reading i'm a real listener i love to listen but i've got it i find it hard to sit and focus and read so i've got a favorite book because it's the only one i've read since i left school the alchemist it's actually yeah. a great book. Have you ever read it? No, I haven't read uh, The Alchemist. Good. A, a lot of people speak about it, like Kobe Bryant is his yeah. favorite book. Um, it's a real like, it's it's a fictional book that's got kind of an under underlying value to the book about following what you're passionate about or happy happy what gives you yeah. happiness and kind of how life brings you back to that. Yeah. No matter what journey or, or, or course you take. Um, really good book. I just got to start reading more now. Uh, it's a, just a different time of your life, isn't it? Hundred like, percent. It's um, when you're, when I was your age, I never read any books. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd be out if I wasn't working. I'd be out at nightclubs and partying yeah. and doing whatever yeah. I, I possibly could to, um, and but yeah, just different time. You know, and uh, our kids are young. You know, seven, mm. four, and two, so they're in bed at eight o'clock or yeah. seven thirty, or you've just got. But you've got to be there with you. Your kids, you can't be out every night. Otherwise, well, who's going to be there looking after your children? And, and um, so it's just a different time in your life. And uh, yeah, you've got to enjoy every bit of it. Like different pros and cons for each period. Definitely. Well, look, it's been absolutely incredible hearing your story. I love to see anyone in life be successful. And, and Joe and I spoke about it on the way up here today. I love to... I love, this is what I love about this job. I get to meet people. I get to create a connection with new people all the time and learn something. But more importantly, it's really satisfying for me to go away from here today and know that we got this amazing episode. But I've also oh. met a good human and I can see you've got a genuine oh. and, and really nice nature. So I appreciate it. I thank you so much for having us. I want to make sure that everyone that's listening to this episode, I think we've got a real demographic that would actually really love and get a lot of use out of your products. Yeah. Where can people find you and where they, can they access so those services? The, the tipping um, is TomWaterhouse.com and for the odds comparison side, it's just the Tom Waterhouse app in the App Store or if you've got Google, then you can just download the app uh, from Google Play Store. Amazing. And you're on Instagram too, just Waterhouse Tom, is it? Yeah, Waterhouse underscore Tom, I think, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tom Waterhouse, thank you so much. Thanks very much. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks, guys.